from Music City, USA, it's David Hooper and Music Business Radio. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. I'm David Hooper, your host, and with me today, the music director for Kelly Clarkson, Jason Halbert. Jason, welcome to Music Business Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. So I was going to ask you about your business of working with Kelly Clarkson, start off with that, but you told me a story coming in the studio that I think is really interesting about growing up and not really listening to a lot of music outside one certain genre. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Southeast Texas in a, in a fairly conservative uh, Christian church, and there were a lot of benefits to that, but one of the not benefits was I was not allowed to listen to what we called secular music growing up. Fortunately, I grew up in the heydays of Christian music in the 80s, so there was a lot to choose from, but I definitely missed out on a lot of musical influences that most of my peers have growing up. Was listening to that music, was that what inspired you to get into music, or was it kind of a fluke? No, it's abs- I mean, that's definitely what inspired me to get into music. The first band I ever saw was a guy named Morgan Cryer, and he lives in Nashville now. And it was a sort of a synth-based 80s pop thing, and I thought it was the best thing ever. And I saw, the, saw it live, and I thought, well, that's what I want to do if I can whenever I, quote, grow up. So uh, different concerts I went to from Petra, Michael W. Smith, and those guys, that's, that's made me want to do what I want to do. You live in Nashville now. You were in Los Angeles for several years and still work out of Los Angeles, but you've got an interesting connection to Nashville. Yeah, I mean, growing up in such a small town like Beaumont, there weren't a lot of musical opportunities there. And so the only the only thing I knew was to look on the back of all the CDs I was listening to. And so sort of the the center of Christian music was Nashville. You know, they had Star Song and Word Records and Sparrow Records. And every CD I looked at came out of Nashville. And uh, we did some research and there was Belmont University. And a lot of the people we looked up to came out of that. So my wife and I, we got married at 18 and 19. And we packed up and moved to Nashville to go to Belmont to make it in music business. And how did that go? What was that like coming to Nashville from Beaumont, Texas? Uh, It went from really exciting the first day to, oh my God, what have we done? And crying. (laughs) Did you you feel overwhelmed? Because we've got so many great musicians here. I imagine it could be overwhelming. Yeah, it was completely overwhelming. Uh, Just all the talent. It was so overwhelming that within about a month of being here, I decided that music was not going to be for me. So I changed my direction at Beaumont before I even enrolled. I wasn't going to take any music classes. I thought, well, I'm not going to make it in music, so I'm going to try for music business. I really enjoyed. I just wanted to do anything I could do to be a part of the music industry, and so I, I was going to focus on publicity or, or A&R or something like that. And how long did that last? Because you had a very long music career. Yeah, I started my freshman year at Belmont, and I think within about... I just remember at the time in the Music Business Center, there was sort of a basement near the studio that had a bunch of index cards of all the opportunities to work in town. And I used to go down there and just dream about working any place in music. And I got a job interning at Sparrow Records during that time. I started that right away my freshman year. And my wife, at the same time, she applied for an internship at True Artist Management, which was a Christian management company. And at the time, I think their main client was DC Talk and I think Audio Adrenaline. I guess a couple of months into school, she... Was one of the guys working in the office said they were about to hold auditions to have a keyboard player. And so my wife signed me up without me knowing and came home and said, hey, I got you an audition for DC Talk. And I'd heard of them, but they weren't in the genre what I was listening to. At the time, they were pretty much all rap. Um, it just it wasn't what I was good at. And so I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this. And she said, I'll just go for it. So I, I did. I ended up auditioning for that and got that job and ended up not finishing school. And that sort of jump-started my music career. So what was that audition like? You'd never been to an audition before? When they called me to audition, I had no place to even know what that was supposed to look like, how I was supposed to prepare. 
So I got the record and I learned every part that I could possibly learn on every song. I, I had this old O1W keyboard, which was pretty awesome at the time. And I literally sequenced every part that I could learn and tried to figure out how to play as many parts at one time to cover everything. My wife had also heard in the office they were looking for somebody who could play Hammond B3. And uh, I'd actually never even sat at a Hammond before or turned one on. And uh, I called up a friend of mine that lived in Austin, Texas, that was sort of a mentor of mine, and said, you know, I'm doing this audition, I need to learn, can you make me look good on B3? And he's like, yeah, fly on down. So I flew to Austin for a weekend, and we literally started with how to turn it on, to how to make sounds <laughs> out of it, to a couple of tricks just to sort of get by on it. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, that would have been embarrassing to sit at it and not know how to turn it yeah. on. <laughs> so, uh, but that's, that's been the thread of my career is that I, I, I can't say no to anything. So my first answer, if anybody asks me, do you know how to play B3? Yes. And then I'll go figure it out. Do you know how to edit? Yes. Then I'll figure it out. Have you ever been in a studio? Yeah, sure. And then I'll go figure it out. Well, I'm kind of curious about figuring it out. You had studied music, I guess, in high school or maybe even before that. So you knew how to read music, knew how to read charts. If they put music in front of you, would you have known what to do? Or was it all ear training and was it natural talent? Tell, tell me more about getting the skills to be able to get accepted at that audition. Yeah, actually, um, I I did not grow up reading music. I didn't have formal classical training. Um I took piano lessons from a guy in Beaumont that, funny enough, he learned on the Nashville number system, and he taught me the Nashville number system since I was in third grade. And that's that's a form of learning music without having to read music, and a lot of music theory that goes with that. So that's sort of what I grew up learning. That was the extent of my training, and then just a whole lot of playing in church, accompanying people, yeah. uh, learning new songs every week. You so know. you were playing live? Yeah, playing yeah piano. Uh, able to improvise a little bit? A lot of improvising going on in church and, and following people and new arrangements and changing keys on the fly. You're listening to Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. I'm David Hooper, your host. With me today, Jason Halbert. He's the musical director for Kelly Clarkson. We're talking about how he's gotten to that point. I'm just fascinated by this, Jason. You just jumped right in on it. It makes it seem like it's so easy. I think it's because it was such a foreign business to me. I was just stupid enough not to know how big of a deal it was or what the challenge was. I, you know, I, my mom told me I could do anything, and I actually believed her. So <laughs> right, I was right. that kid. And so I'd be the guy staying up all night long, reading manuals, going to the library, asking questions. I, I so wish that we'd have had YouTube back whenever I was first starting out. Right, and it's amazing when you need to learn a song. Somebody's already learned it for you. Yeah, even right now, uh, you know, on Kelly's tours, we do a, a new song every night. It's called The Fan Request. And so we look on Twitter, and her fans request a song. And every show, we do a new song. And we, we have about 10 minutes to get it together that day and so i go on youtube and and watch other tutorials people learned it or go to guitartabs.com it just saves you a whole lot of time and so the resources out there right now for people learning music are really incredible do you still have that preparation that you did back with dc talk when you're working with kelly and, and do you see that preparation in other musicians that you work with yeah even now what i do it, re it requires a ton of preparation but to me that's that's part of the fun of the job i mean i i enjoy I enjoy that as much as I actually do being on stage. And, and ultimately, any artist that I work for, it's my job to make them look great. And a lot of them already start off great. And anything I can do to either not take away from their greatness or help enhance it, that's my job. And so even sitting at a hotel in the morning learning a song, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having to learn this song for a show. It's a wow, I get to do this for a living and I, I want to have excellence when I go out there. Now, I do other... Are other musicians like that? Absolutely. The ones that we hire are those guys. And so we have lots of great musicians that I think enjoy doing the prep work and put all the hard work into it. Speaking of great musicians, you've worked with Reba McIntyre, yep. Trisha Yearwood, D. 
DC Talk, we've mentioned Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. What is it that makes an artist great? Not just a musician, but transforms them into an artist. Wow, that's a deep question, and I don't know that I have the right answer. Well, we're to going it. deep. Jason. <laughs> I mean, the the thing that I look for an artist that I that I want to work with is a a certain level of talent, um, but that's not going to carry it all the way. Um, I'm looking for a personality that's wanting to be a part of something great. That's in it for the for the love of the art as well as for the love of everything else that comes that comes with it. And I love working with artists that really grasp the concept of serving their their fans and their fandom. Like I, I just I couldn't imagine working with a jaded artist or somebody who was just in it for the paycheck every week. And so, and with music, and this is music business radio. So yes, there's a lot of business, and there's a lot of music. And I'm always trying to find that line for me of keeping both in balance: the love of the music and having to make a living in a business. And I think you hit on that is that it's not just musical talent, but it's an ability to work with people. Yeah. It's a love for what you're doing, a love for the fans. Yes. And an ability, I, I think, to communicate well with people. You do that certainly as a music director. We're going to talk about being the music director for Kelly Clarkson, working with other musicians. And we're going to go out right now with a song from Kelly Clarkson. This is one you co-wrote. It's called Cry. It's from the album All I Ever Wanted. Kelly Clarkson on Music Business Radio. Jason Albert is my guest. More from Jason when we come back. If anyone asks, I'll tell them we both just moved on. Pretend that I don't hear them talk Whenever I see you I swallow my pride And bite my tongue Pretend I'm okay with it all Act like there's no
this is Michael Dorff, founder of City Winery, and you're listening to Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the biz. It's time to get out the Festivus pole from the crawl space and leave your worries behind as we celebrate Lightning 100's fourth annual Festivus. Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! Join us Saturday, December 10th at Marathon Music Works for Lightning 100's Festivus charity show, benefiting the mission of the Salvation Army with Third Eye Blind. Colony House and Barnes Courtney. Tickets are on sale now for Lightning 100's Festivus, a party for the rest of us, at the venue box office, by phone at 877-4-FLY-TICKS or MarathonMusicWorks.com. Brought to you by Bellmead Bourbon, Heineken, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Carvana, Marathon Music Works, and Lightning 100. It's a Festivus miracle! This is Fred James of Bluesland Productions, and if they'd had music business radio in the late 40s and early 50s, Bullet Records and Excella would still have their masters today. You're listening to Music Business Radio. Music Business Radio is on the air. David Hooper, your host, and with me today, Jason Halbert. He's the musical director for Kelly Clarkson, talking about how he got the gig. And what is music director? Uh, it's basically, I, I'm in charge of all things musical on, on stage, television, live, um, so for a tour, I, I put together the band, I have auditions, hire the people that we're going to tour with, help translate the arrangements from the records into what works best live, and then I help communicate the artist, in this case Kelly, she, she'll have a vision for how she wants her show to go, and she'll throw out a bunch of songs and a set order, and I'll help tweak that and, to, and work with lighting and audio to make a show. So first part of this episode, we talked about your audition, your very first one with DC Talk, yeah. how you got the gig. I'm yes. curious to know how you run your auditions. <laughs> a lot of music business radio listeners are musicians and want to get the gig. So yeah. let's talk about what that looks like. Yeah, this is horrible. I'm having to do this in a town where I've had to audition lots of people from this town <laughs> <laughs> that are probably wondering how that process went. I hate the process of auditioning people. I'm, somehow I'm just, I'm very empathetic and sympathetic and whatever aesthetic to, it's horrible. You walk into a room and you're being judged on five minutes in a room yeah. on your musical worthiness and your personality and your, right. and there's nothing fair about the process whatsoever, but there's no other way to do it. So it's a, it's a necessary part. So when I'm running an audition, my assumption is that every guy that's walking through the door is a world-class, amazing musician. And are you contacting those people? How do they find out about the audition? Usually it's it's word of mouth. I mean, I'm not very well connected to a lot of musicians in this town because I'm gone 200 days a year. So it's really hard to you know make friends in town. So usually I call on some session players that I know or some another manager or, or just other musicians that I know and I say, hey, put the word out, I'm looking for so-and-so. And I rely on my peers. This last round, we were looking for a new guitar player for this last tour and and uh, I was at a party, and Carrie Underwood's music director was there. And I'm like, hey, do you, any guys you've looked at? And one of our backup singers, her husband, is Taylor Swift's music director. And so I asked him for some recommendations, and the music director for The Voice gave me a list. So I ended up with a list of about 20 names of guitar players. And uh, again, I start with the idea that they're all great musicians, So, and it's never been not the case. I mean, I, I don't think there's ever been a situation where somebody's walked into a room and hasn't been prepared or I would never hire for a job. So then at that point, it's I know the dynamics of our band and our crew and the particular artist I'm working for. And so I'm trying to gauge a personality and a style of playing in a 10 to 15 minute period. And how important is that personality? 
because a lot of your work is not just on the stage. You've got to be 200 dates a year with these guys and yep. get along with them off the stage. So how important is that personality? I mean, to me, the personality is everything. It's, it's what makes or breaks uh, any group of people touring together or working together. It's like that in the office. Like, it's really important how people interact. And even when I make a judgment like that, I'm not saying one guy has a right personality or a wrong personality. I'm saying no one who the other guys in my band are and what their personality types are, this is the guy that's best going to fit this piece of the puzzle. Because you don't want a homogenous group. You don't want a, a guys that think and act and have the same personalities. You want some good diversity of different temperaments and musical styles. And especially with Kelly, a lot of what I'm looking for is we have to learn things really fast on the fly. We, on a given night, might be doing pop, rock, country, Broadway, jazz. And I'm sort of looking for this personality that hasn't figured music out and thinks that, oh, rock, that's the only type of music out there. Or, oh, country, that's where it's at. Or, oh, I can't stand rap. You know, I'm looking for people that love music and clearly would appreciate all the different aspects of things we're asked to bring to the table. It's hard to be on stage all the time and, and not think that you're cool or whatever. I'm, I'm kind of looking for the anti-cool factor. You know, I wanna, I'm still looking for people that are appreciative and thankful to be there. And I know we're going to put in the extra effort for what this job takes. Yeah. How do you keep grounded when you're on the road? Because I've seen the photos that you posted on Twitter and Facebook and it's you from the stage and there's 15, 20,000 people out there sometime. They're all yelling for you. Well, I've got a wife and two kids that visit about every three weeks and they do a really good job of keeping me grounded. <laughs> and then... <laughs> so somebody, somebody's going to be honest with you. Yeah. And then yeah. God God and the the universe keeps me grounded the rest of the time by all the, the ways that I make a fool of myself <laughs> naturally. So taking it back to that audition process, you've got your list of guys, and it seems like it's a, a small list, a short list, 20, 30 people, and it seems like once you're on it, it's a pretty sweet deal yeah. to hear you talk about it. What is it like? Do you give them the songs that you're going to play on tour, or are you just trying to see their versatility? And again, and every audition is different, and I've been a part of auditions that aren't like this. My my first couple of auditions in L.A. were just nightmares, and so I think part of what I do is just try to run them not like that. So generally, I'll send out, I'll have guys learn two or three songs, and I'll usually send an album version of one song, a live arrangement of something else that we've sort of changed up. And and this last time we threw out, as a part of the audition process, we sort of surprised them with, oh yeah, we need to learn this song. Here, take five minutes, go out in the hallway and learn it and come back in and let's see where you're at. I was trying to, which is what we have to do every day during soundcheck. We have the opening bands that we can't go into, we don't want to go into their time and rob their soundcheck time. So we have... 10 to 15 minutes to learn a song that we're going to be performing that night that's going to be living forever now on YouTube or you know right, social right. media. Yeah. Um, so I was looking to see the, the type of thing they bring. And then I'm listening to their tones. Again, not that one guy has a right or a wrong tone. It's just what tone is going to fit best knowing what the rest of the band sounds like. And You mentioned replacing the guitarist for Kelly. Yep. When you're doing something like that, are you thinking just live or just studio, or would you ultimately like to find somebody who can do both? Uh, this is just strictly live. There's not a lot of bands where the live thing uh, translates over into the, the recording aspect of what artists do. I've been fortunate that I've been able to do more and more production work and work in the studio, um, but typically that there's, there's no crossover opportunities for that, at least in pop music. You're listening to Music Business Radio. You're backstage pass to the music business. I'm David Hooper, your host, and with me today, Jason Halbert. He's the music director for Kelly Clarkson. We're talking about how he auditions people. Woo. Have you ever had any surprises after you auditioned somebody? You hired them, got out on the road, you're a few days in, and you think, no, this isn't really working. <laughs> you got any stories from the road? I'm trying to think. I've been really fortunate that uh, 
there's a lot of things I'm not good at. I'm not great at classical music. I'm a horrible singer, which is really ironic being a vocal producer. But I feel like I do have a fairly decent handle on on putting the right teams together for projects. So as far as I can remember right now, I've not had any disasters a couple of weeks out. Now there's been things, the job may have changed over the course of a couple of years where someone may not be right for that job anymore or a person may change over time. But um, usually we've been fairly lucky to have really, really good people working with us. How does the employment for Kelly Clarkson work? Is that a year-round thing? Is it just for one segment of the tour? For you, example, is she keeping you on call where if she's not on tour, you're still on call because you need to be available in case she ever does do a show? Great question. It varies for everybody. When we're hiring for the tour, I'm usually hiring for a season or an album cycle. I try to work in a way to where it's leaving Kelly flexibility and myself flexibility to change our minds. You're trying to judge, is this the right fit for a job? usually a couple weeks before you leave for a tour. So you're looking for somebody who's saying, yes, I'll leave with you the next three months, but also we don't want to be locked in for the next three months if this isn't a great situation. So I usually try to work in some sort of trial period at the front end that's fair to both of us. But I, I think the, the typical industry standard is we're, we're hiring for a, a tour. And then usually during that tour, we'll reevaluate and, and have conversations if it's going to extend longer or not. With Kelly, whenever she's not working, we've been, you know, we're all... All of us in the band are at different stages, and some of some guys are fortunate enough to one of our musicians is a great session player, and so when we're off the road, he can work three, four days a week. I'm not a great session player, so that's not an opportunity for me. But fortunately, I'm uh, I'm able to work more and more with Kelly in the studio. So even this last year, while we took time off while she was having a baby, we were recording in the studio up till I think three weeks um, before she gave birth. And a lot of that's because of, of Kelly's work ethic. I think I think we record something like 40, 50 songs a year in the wow. process of, of working out ideas for her records and, and different projects that she has going on. And what happens to those songs? Uh, well, I have a great collection of songs that I've produced or co-written with her that make for awesome listening that nobody else in the world will hear. So we're not going to hear it today <laughs> on Music Business nope, Radio? No, nope, nope, unfortunately. Maybe a, a box set in the future. Yeah, I'm hoping for it one day. What's your typical day like? Uh, what is my typical day like on the road? Or? It's a trick question. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I have I have no typical day. So my typical day is there's nothing typical about it. Especially when I'm on the road working with Kelly. I mean, literally we joke about every day you're waiting for the special surprise of the day, which might be uh, getting a call right before you go into catering saying, "Hey, I'd like to have a harp player tonight," or "Hey, I'm looking for a kids choir," or "Hey, why don't um, I need to record a new single for something else?" And can we get it? I mean, it just there's always a surprise every day, and that's what I love about about what I do. We're on the road right now, we uh, wake up, go to the venue about one o'clock, and then we have a three o'clock pre-rehearsal now that we implemented um, because this tour we were doing fan request. Plus, Kelly's hosting an open mic night where she's offering one song during her set for a local or somebody to come up and, and, and perform. So we're supporting that person, so we have to learn their arrangement. And then we're also been doing a classic song, one of Kelly's album cuts from our past record. So we're learning three songs a day now, so we have a little rehearsal time for that. Wow. And then we have a sound check and, uh, and then catering and then show and then go do it again. One of the things you mentioned about hiring musicians was they need to be able to get along together and obviously they need to play. I'm curious to know when you guys are rehearsing songs, new songs, because you're doing, sounds like, three a day when yeah. you're on the road. You've got an idea. The guitar player has an idea. Drummer has an idea. Kelly has an idea. Talk about the compromise in that situation. Do you feel comfortable saying, like, yeah, I've got an idea here, and if the idea gets shot down, 
you know, well, what, fortunately, what there's a there's there's a there's a clear hierarchy, and that is Kelly's idea is always the best idea because okay. she's the boss. Well, that makes it so, easy. Um, and and I'm saying that we're not. I mean, obviously, if it's something that I don't think is going to serve her well, then I will make suggestions to her, and she almost always defers. But she has very strong musical opinions about how she wants to perform a song. And the thing is, I already know that. I worked with her long enough after 13 years. Even before we get into rehearsal, I know most of the time what she's going to want anyway. So I've right. already steered things that way. Right. Every guy I'm on stage with, I respect immensely. So it's not like this thing of I have an idea and you have an idea. Well, I'm the music director, so I'm the one who sets the tone for here's how we're going to do it. So there's not like a, a sort of a discussion about how we're going to do it. I say, here's how we're going to perform this song. But I respect all those guys so much. There's If, if a guy says, hey, have you thought about this or thought about this, then yeah, absolutely. You know, It uh, sounds like you do have a lot of empathy for the musicians, having been a musician, being a musician, yeah. but having been to rehearsals before and, and having to present your own ideas. Yeah. You don't want them to just shut down. Again, it's not even about shutting down ideas. Most of the guys are not are bringing ideas that are only going to benefit what we're doing anyway. Um, so most of the time, it, the idea incorporates great. And that's just part of choosing people that the worst guy to have in a situation like for Kelly Clarkson is a frustrated artist who's, right. who's working as a side guy. Because right. a lot of frustrated artists said, well, I'm going to go play guitar for a while for somebody else. You don't need that guy bringing his artistry into something saying, well, that's not cool, or why can't I do more of it like this, or, you know. So we're, we're not bringing those guys in, in the first place. We're bringing guys in that love being side musicians. That's what they wanted, you know. I, I never grew up wanting to be the lead singer. I grew up wanting to be a musician, to be a part of this thing. Well, that so. was my next question for you. you. You never wanted to be an artist? No. Gosh, no. No. It's if a you, lot of responsibility. If, if you heard me sing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that working so closely with Kelly, you get to see the ups and the downsides of it. Yeah. And, and it's it's tough to keep that ship driving because... I love being a side musician. Every every person I work for always say, I get all the benefits of being an artist without all the, the drama that comes with it. I don't have paparazzi or labels to deal with this and that, but I still get to enjoy the travel and the places we go. And I, I'm in front of the same crowds that they are. So for me, it's win-win. It's well, a little less the, money. <laughs> One of the things you've been doing with Kelly Clarkson is co-writing songs and having your songs appear on her album. When we come back, we'll hear some of those songs that you've co-written and the stories behind them. Jason Halbert is my guest today, music director for Kelly Clarkson. More with Jason when we come back on Music Business Radio. I'm Bart Herbison, executive director of the Nashville Songwriters Association International, and you're listening to Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the biz. On the web at musicbusinessradio.com. We are proud to call Nashville home to the Tennessee Brewworks Brewery and Tap Room. At Tennessee Brewworks, we work hard to create craft beer that makes Tennessee proud, incorporating local ingredients into our beers whenever possible and working with our farmers to ensure freshness. Our brewery is owned and operated by folks right here in Tennessee. So when you're at the store or your favorite watering hole, ask for Tennessee Brewworks finely tuned craft beer and support your local brewery. To learn more, please visit tnbrew.com and enjoy craft beer responsibly. Cheers! This is David Groh with HowlingMusic.com. This is Holly Baranski from Four Corners Artist Management. Hey, this is Pat Higdon from Universal Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Dale Turner with Lyric Street Records, and you're listening to Music Business Radio. On the web at MusicBusinessRadio.com. From the TuneIn Broadcasting Studio in Nashville, Tennessee, this is Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. With me today, music director for Kelly Clarkson, Jason Halbert. You're also a co-writer with Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of cuts with her over the last few years. Were you always a writer? 
I never considered myself a writer, but apparently I am because I have written. No, it's a, <laughs> I've learned from being in Nashville. I mean, Nashville is the capital of what's left of songwriting. And so I've learned there's a lot of different styles and types of writing. Fortunately, there's a lot of room for different styles of writers. And I've sort of hit a groove working with Kelly. Early on with Kelly, I'd be, I was in the studio and uh, helping her record some some vocals and doing some demos for songs other people had written. At some point during the day, I, she said, oh, I wish I had a song like such and such. And I threw out a couple of ideas that I had. She ended up recording those. They didn't, they didn't make a record. But uh, another guy I was working with is like, told me, he's like, yeah, that's, that's songwriting. And in my mind, songwriting was sitting down with a guitar or a piano and, and yeah. writing a complete song. And here's the whole thing. That was about 10 or 12 years ago, and that started the process of uh, wanting to become more involved in songwriting because I enjoyed the process. So almost immediately after that, I, I got set up to do my first co-write in Nashville, which God bless all you people in Nashville that do that. I have so much respect for you. It is not my thing. The, the Nashville concept of three complete strangers showing up in a room together yeah. and uh, discussing life for 30 minutes and then writing a hit song. Isn't uh, it crazy? <laughs> it, just, <laughs> I've always uh, thought it was like two actors yeah and you've got to act like you know each other you're acting like you're a couple but you just met yeah and you're sharing your deepest thoughts with people and there's a rhythm and an art to it and i watch people come in and it's just i'm blown away by the talent of what they do i just came to grips with the fact that that's not me and i don't feel bad about that i'm not good at that style of thing i'm a i'm a much more slow methodical worker and so you know turning around an idea in in one day is is not me Talk about your writing process then. So you don't have a, a, a one-day song. Yeah, it, it varies every time. I've had Kelly give me just an acapella thing. She sang in her voice recorder, and uh, that sounded so old, that she did a voice memo on her phone with and, and built something around that and changed ideas. And um, the song Cry that I was telling you about, that one was particularly fun for me because it sort of brought two of my worlds full circle. Um, one of the guitar players in DC Talk, his name is Mark Townsend, and uh, he's a songwriter-producer here in Nashville now. And... Um, Especially in songwriting, it seems that the instrument you use when you're creating the song influences people's thoughts about it. And so being a keyboard player, sometimes it's hard to convey a rock song or a certain idea. And so he's a great guitar player. So I said, hey, do you have any sort of guitar ideas? So he actually sent me some full tracks that he had already worked on. So he already had guitar, drums, bass, the whole thing. I went through those and just sort of identified some things I thought were interesting hooks. So I, I sent uh, Kelly uh, several just four-bar little ideas and she responded to that one and called me in the dressing room, and we sort of used that as a seed. I think the Versa Cry was actually the chorus of the idea Mark had, and so then Kelly and I sat down and worked out sort of a new arrangement around it and some new uh, sections, and, and that's how that song was, was born. What makes a great Kelly Clarkson song? Wow, that's a rough one to answer in this town. Do you just know it when you hear it? Yeah. I honestly have no idea what makes a great song, and I, and I think anybody that did would want to know that secret. I mean, I've I've been a part of songs I thought were the best thing I've ever done that has had a cricket response to it, and I've put together things that I was not passionate about that everybody thinks is wonderful. So I guess technically what makes a great song is something that comes from an, an, a writer and is performed by an artist that then connects with a certain audience, you know. I guess that would technically be a be a great song, but I I can't judge it by its chart success or financial success because I've I've some of my favorite things that I've ever been a part of are sitting on my iPod, never to be heard by anybody else. So that's frustrating. I know for musicians, it's frustrating for me to hear all these great songs coming out of Nashville because we do have so many great writers here, and there's just not enough space for them all to get on albums. Yeah, and I think that's why. Um, you know, one of the things that I've tried to impart on my daughter as she's pursuing her music career is that at some point, those of us that choose, choose to be a part of music have to enjoy it 
just for the sake of being a part of music. You know, instead of looking at it as being frustrating that this great song I wrote with Kelly is never going to be heard on radio, I literally just have to say, wow, I got to be a part of recording this wonderful song with this incredible artist, even if it's only for my enjoyment. You know, I know that sounds very idealistic, but it has to be a part of what you become or else I've just seen too many people getting eaten up with bitterness about what's fair in this industry or, you know, I've worked hard. Why haven't I gotten there? This song is the best. I can't believe that that Rihanna song is a song and my song's not. It's just, there's, there's just, there's so much talent out there. There's so much great music and it's not all going to rise to the top quote. And even defining that success as something that, I mean, there's so much music out there that's not in the top 10 of radio right now. It's unbelievable. And it's really, really good music. And a lot of people, I keep reading things about how, what a sad time for music this is and how homogenous, you know, the radio. Well, I'm like, stop listening to the radio. There's a lot of great music out there. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been more, I mean, I'm a child of the 80s. And so, man, what a great time if you were part yeah. of that bands, you know, like Churches or Purity Ring or these other things. Like, they're not at Taylor Swift level of success, but by certainly they're being successful. Their music's reaching an audience. Well, we talked a little about this before we walked in the studio that back when you and I were growing up, you'd have that low power FM or FM yeah. station like way far away from you and have to use a tinfoil to, to get it at night on a clear night. And if the wind changed, you wouldn't get it anymore. And it's, it's so much easier to discover new music, to record new music, to distribute new music. Yep. So I love what you said about that. It's what I think you're saying is it's the, the path, not the destination. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of your daughter, Jason, you brought her here today. <laughs> her name is Kennedy Noel. And when we come back, we're going to give her a mic and find out if everything that you have been saying is true. Jason <laughs> Halbert is my guest today, music director for Kelly Clarkson. More from Jason and Kennedy Noel when we come back on Music Business Radio. This is my heartbeat song and I'm gonna play it. Been so long I forgot how to turn it up, 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 up all night long. Oh, up, up all night long. You, where the hell did you come from?
ZZ Ward, and you're listening to Music Business Radio. Wet. I don't wanna be your girl no more. Sunday, November 13th, live at Exit Inn. With special guest, Demo Tape. Baby, game on. Game on. Tickets on sale now at the Marathon Music Works box office or ExitIn.com. Don't forget to stop by Hurry Back next door to Exit Inn. Bring your ticket before the show for food and drink specials. Game on. You know the bed feels warmer Sleeping here alone You know I dream in color And do the things I want You think you got the best of me Think you've had the last laugh Bet you think that everything good is gone Think you left me broken down Think that I'll come on and back Maybe you don't know me cause you're dead wrong What doesn't kill you makes you stronger Stand a
Hi, this is Johnette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde, and you're listening to Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the biz. From Nashville, Tennessee, it's Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. With me today, Jason Halbert, music director for Kelly Clarkson, and also father to an upcoming artist, Kennedy Noel. She's here as well. Is everything your dad's been talking about true? Oh, very true. <laughs> so you, you grew up in the music business and you still want to be in it. I do, which my parents, they've been super supportive of me, but they've also tried to show me every aspect, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that I'm absolutely 100% sure that this is what I want to do and not just get the sugar-coated view of it. So I've seen the good and bad, and I love every aspect of it, not only being a musician, but hanging out with the crew guys and appreciating the people who put together the tour as much as you wanting to perform. You're a writer as well? I am a writer, yes. I started songwriting when I was 11 when we moved from Los Angeles to Nashville. And do you guys write together, work together? <laughs> you're a no, producer, think, you're a vocal producer? I think I was actually on the road working on a Kelly song and I had an idea and, and uh, Kennedy asked me to help with her song and I sent her a lyric idea and she called and was like, well, Dad, that's kind of trite as far as the lyrics go. <laughs> so no, uh, we, we don't really write together. We don't songwrite together, but Dad does help produce almost everything that I do. He's the only person that I really trust to record my vocals and, and get a great representation of my voice. Yeah, I think that's important as an artist. You need to trust the people around you so you can bring out your full art. Absolutely. And if you're afraid of being criticized, you're not going to bring out your full art. But it's kind of a weird thing. On one hand, you trust your father, mm -hmm. I imagine, but he's also your father. He is, yes. And I know like, <laughs> if your father's teaching you how to drive, he's going to be like, you know, 10 and 2 and yeah, I use think your blinkers. We go through seasons of working extremely well together and me really being able to take in everything he's saying and feel really inspired. And then we also go through seasons where I am a teenager and I don't listen to what he says as well as I should. And we can be a little edgy with each other every once in a while. But for the most part, I really value everything that he says and all of his opinions because I know no matter how I'm receiving it, he's wanting the best for me and he's wanting to bring out the best version of me and help me to learn as best as I can. Well, speaking of Edge, Jason, you're known for more pop music. Yeah. Kennedy, not as poppy, a mm -hmm. little bit more of an edge. Yeah. So talk about your music. How would you describe it? I would describe my music as kind of indie pop rock. Growing up around dad and, and having his influence, I love, absolutely love programming and synthesizers and all of those fun things. And that's a big part of what I do. But on my mom's side, she raised me on My Chemical Romance. And so I have that like <laughs> edge right there that I love, like huge drums. I love edgy guitars. And so my goal in my music is to kind of blend the two worlds together. The new EP, it's called Crossover, also the single. Let's check it out. Kennedy Noel on Music Business Radio.
Kennedy Noel on Music Business Radio. The song Crossover, available now wherever albums are sold. That was good. Thank you. I was a little bit nervous. I got to be honest. You sound surprised. You get a lot of <laughs> Every time somebody says that's good, I'm like, well, oh, okay. hopefully well, it is. Well, you never know. And, and I think it must be one of the most nerve-wracking things for an artist to stand in this studio. Because we usually critique demos at the end of Music Business Radio. And, and we've had artists sneak in secretly. Some of them have a really great uh, sense about them, though. You have to be good at criticism, I would imagine, Absolutely. when you're an artist. I value criticism more than anything because I know I'm not perfect and I know I'm not like to my maximum potential. I don't know if I'll ever like, I don't ever want to reach that maximum yeah, potential. Yeah, hopefully not. Because I want to constantly keep growing. So whatever anybody has to say about it, like I want to listen to what people think about what I do because I want to make it better. So right. if they have a better idea of how something should be done, of course I'm going to listen to it and value it. Jason, I'm curious to know what you think about this because when you think about criticism, anytime Kelly comes out with a new album, anytime you do a show, anytime there's a YouTube video of your performance release, there are always the critics on there. So do you have anything to add to the thought of criticism? I mean, I look at it as, on one hand, I can take criticism really well because I can't be everything to everybody. So if somebody doesn't like a particular thing I do, that's fine. There's lots of people that do it much better than me, and so I'm very comfortable with my role. Now, however, criticism coming from my own, like the, the song you just heard, I can probably play you 30 different iterations of what that took to get there. And that's usually because Kenny's coming back saying, no, I want my guitars. No, you know, <laughs> man, those drums sounded really weak. And I'm thinking, I just won a Grammy last week. And now you're telling me that. <laughs> I, so, but that's a good, that's a healthy sort of thing that yeah. that's, that's um, yeah, that, that, that keeps us going. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm all for, all for a good critique. When do you know a song is done? Uh, whenever it's printed, you have no more control over it. I would tweak <laughs> so something is completely mm -hmm. finished. Uh, yeah, a song is done when the label tells you it's due tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you're at collectivesound.com, and I'm going to spell that, K-O-L-L-E-K-T-I-V sound.com. Kennedy Noel at kennedynoel.com, but also wherever you kids are getting your music these days, she is there. Guys, thanks for being here on Music Business Radio. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We're going to go out with one more from Kennedy Noel. This is Never Stop on Music Business Radio. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Music Business Radio, a production of TuneIn Broadcasting Incorporated, Nashville, Tennessee. Recorded in the WRLT Lightning 100 Studios. Music Business Radio is produced by Gary Crane, David Hooper, and Dan Buckley. Special technical assistance by Tom Hansen with Pro Tools post-production by Guy Fell. And Lester Fixed the Chairs. All of them. For syndication information, guest booking, demo derby music, or downloading previous episodes, visit musicbusinessradio.com. Music. Business. Radio